welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is a another brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Um, we're nearing the very, very end of season six, whatever episode this is. Uh, we're probably going to move away from uh, single episodes because things are going to change and get jumbly. Uh, so uh, I'm your host, Sam Snelling. You can see my name uh, right here. Um, and I am without a co-host today. Uh, no Matt Watkins, no Matt Harris. Uh, instead, it's going to be just me and a uh, long <laughs> discussion with uh, my good friend, Blake Lovell. Uh, Blake is one of the uh, managing editors at 14 Southeastern. Um, they do great job covering all SEC sports, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, uh, you can get all your SEC coverage there. Uh, if you are familiar with our podcast, you are familiar with Blake. Um, we are always big fans of his work. He's, uh, at this point, I would consider him a friend. Uh, and he knows the entire league as well as anybody uh, that, that that covers the league. So uh, it's going to be me and him. Um, we were shooting for 30 minutes. We went to about 50. Uh, so I hope you stick through uh, the whole thing and listen to everything because I thought Blake had some really interesting points. Uh, and as we know, he loves Dennis Gates. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, here's Blake Lovell. And I'd like to welcome in to our, our podcast, our video podcast, if you're watching on the YouTubes, a uh, longtime friend of the pod, uh, one of my favorites to talk to, all-time great guy, uh, SEC basketball savant, the Blake Lovell uh, from 14 Southeastern. Blake! Are you guys going to rename the, that site when Texas? Yeah, it's, come it's in? coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Like we, we stop people before they even finish their question. Now we're like, don't worry. It's coming. Um, we already got the 16. We got all these, we got all these numbers. So, you know, we're, we apologize to anyone who's trying to take those numbers, but yeah, we, we were getting ready for the super conference era in the sec since that's the buzzword is the, the super conference. So we'll, we'll be 16 once Texas and Oklahoma officially join. We're going to make that switch over next summer, I think. And, um, so yeah, coming soon, but uh, always fun to join you. As we said, the first time we've done this video wise. So, um, it's just, you know, it's great to be able to peer into each other's souls when it comes <laughs> to talking about sec basketball, because what, what better conversation to have when doing that than sec basketball. So, and our, our first sort of, you know, face to face talk since you were in St. Louis for yes. the SEC tournament, I think so. Man, uh, it's, that it's, was a long time ago, wasn't it? Although so. as a as a frequent watcher of 14 Southeastern, I feel like you're a part of my life all the time. <laughs> well, uh, now you're but... <laughs> part of mine because now I get to see you more often as well. So that's that's how this works. So, well, welcome. Uh, so our our plan here is uh, is we're gonna just spend a few minutes here talking about the off season, the SEC off season, uh, and then and then I'm gonna give you a few minutes towards the end of the, uh, the the interview discussion here to just talk about uh, your favorite person in all of the SEC land, and that's Dennis Gates. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give everybody a little preview here. Uh, so uh, anybody who has followed along with, with us and with Blake uh, knows he is a guy who is quite fond of, uh, of Missouri's head basketball coach, almost to the point where I, I believe it's a SEC Twitter meme at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but but sort of kicking things off, uh, you know, the transfer portal ha has completely changed uh, the game. And, and as far as like what your offseason is going to look like from the moment the season ends 
uh, to, you know, really kind of like, you know, the first few weeks of June when, when players start hitting campus, like that period used to sort of be a little quiet period. We were just sort of maybe adjusting for a few spots. Now it's like full blown roster turnover uh, where probably half of the league is turning over half of their roster at, at, at minimum. Uh, and so with all this movement, um, I thought it would be good to kind of get your take and see like, you know, who we thought would maybe had the best off season, who has been really, really good. Uh, you know, who's added uh, impact players. Um, and so I guess just starting at the top, in your opinion, who has had the best off season in the sec? Boy, this is, I feel like I'm going to get pretty long winded here because I, <laughs> I honestly, like, I think there's a lot of teams that have had good off seasons. And sometimes we don't always say that. Sometimes we're like, Ooh, you know, maybe five, six teams or maybe they got worse. Right. But I, I mean, if you look at even just the bottom tier of the sec, maybe minus South Carolina, like, you know, I think you could say LSU has had one of the best off seasons. When you look at kind of the guys they're bringing in all things considered where they were last year. So in comparison to that, you know, maybe you make the argument for them. But I think specifically, and it's probably not a coincidence that to me, these would be the two teams, and this may answer a question you're going to have later, and um, I apologize if I'm doing that this early, but I think the two teams to me that still stand out at the top above everyone else, I think are probably the two teams you could say had the best offseason and for different reasons. Um, Arkansas, to me, I think put together a roster that was one that, they get guys back that are important, specifically Devo Davis. I think that is that was one of the biggest wins of the offseason for anybody because I look at this team without him and I think, okay, they're missing those things that he brings to the table because I don't know if there's anybody that can replicate that on this roster. But the fact that they get him back, it's the same thing, and I know we're touching a sore spot here, but with, with Trevin Brazil, I mean, it's the same sort of situation where you get those two back and I think that's your starting point. But it's also all the guys that they brought in. I'm a huge Tremont Mark. I guess I could say I'm a Tremont Mark Mark. Um, like, <laughs> right. I just, I think he is exactly what Arkansas needs. I mean, he's coming over from a Houston team that defended, um, does all the little things. And I think that he's going to bring that to this team. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see kind of how he fits in. Um you know, I'm curious to see how an L. Ellis fits into an Arkansas team and not a Louisville team that was just so bad. And but I think his scoring ability really helps on this team. And again, I, I think it's really the guys they brought back, but also all these guys they're bringing in. And I mean, I think we could always say, but I mean, you right, you can't forget about the two freshmen too. Like these are two really, really good freshmen. And so um, we always say that about Mus. I mean, he's kind of been the king of the transfer portal. I don't know how this team compares to other ones, but I think you have to put them near the top of the list just because um, you look at, again, what they have, but it's also those two guys they brought back specifically. And I know they brought back Makai Mitchell, which is important, I think, from a just having another big guy because they were kind of thin there. I think a lot of people would look at their front court and maybe still feel like they're a little thin, although they did add you know Chandler Lawson and such, and they've got fall coming in. But um, I just, I'm really impressed, as usual, I think, with Arkansas. And, you know, the other one I think is Tennessee. And to me, Tennessee's best offseason did not come just by who they added. It's by who came back. And, you know, getting Josiah Jordan James back, I don't know if we expected that. Like, I mean, really, like, I did not think that was going to happen. And it, so it feels like he's been there forever. Right? I know, right? Like, I feel like he's been there seven years. And, <laughs> 
I, like mean, I get yeah. I get people people make jokes about Vescovy yeah uh and and how long he's been on the roster but I feel like like Josiah Jordan James has been there like much much longer like I feel like he was a junior when Vescovy joined the team well but what's funny about that is like I feel like Zakai Ziegler's been there like five years now <laughs> and like he's just now a junior and so it's like but but that's the reason why for me with Tennessee is that they got those three guys back specifically and you know, I know they lost Chris Ledlam, who was there, and then ultimately went to St. John's. But I think when you look at just having that trio for me, I mean, Tennessee, you can win a lot of games with those three guys. Obviously not playing three on five, but if you have those three guys on the floor together, they've already won a lot of games together. And to get that entire group back, um, you know, basically your entire guard, wing-oriented part of the – I mean, it's significant. And so I think that – I mean, we saw – I mean, we see like a Waka. I know you've seen it. Like yeah. he is one of the breakout guys probably in the SEC when you consider the step he's going to take from freshman to sophomore. And so you're adding guy, him to the mix. Guy who was on know. the USA under 19 yeah. uh, uh, team who you know played really well overseas. Yeah, um, yeah I think I think a is a guy who could you know be taking a big step this year. And then like it's you know. They do. He took a step forward last year. Now another year of experience. He's going to get some more minutes probably this year. Meshack, someone else who I think we saw start to become like that Rick Barnes type guard that could do a lot of different things for them. Um, and then, you know, you add a couple very intriguing guys. I think Dalton Connect is probably the most intriguing of the group for me. I think offensively, he will bring a lot to the table for this team. You know, I know everybody said, well, defensively, what does that look like on a team like this that's used to being one of the best defensive teams in the country i get it but like at the same time look at all the other players though that are surrounding them i mean they've got great defensive players across the board and the guys we've already mentioned so um jordan ganey you know joins the mix and so i just i look at this tennessee team with everything they got back i thought that was the biggest part of the equation and so i would probably put arkansas tennessee um you know at the top of the group but like i said sam it's i mean i really could go down the list that look at a team like florida i thought Todd Golden had one of the best, most well-executed transfer plans of anybody because he went out and got exactly what they needed. They needed size to kind of fill the void that they're losing with Colin Castleton. They needed shooting. He went out and got guys that could shoot. They needed quick guards. Um, he put everything together, I think, to be able to do that. And so Florida's another team that I'd put up there. Um, you know, I know we'll talk about Missouri later, but I, I think Missouri did some good things uh, as usual, I think, with, with Dennis Gates. But I guess the other team I have to mention, and I kind of forgot to do this off the top, um, and I know everyone's seen how high we are on Ole Miss. Of course, this is all considering if Ole Miss is – if these guys are available, right? Like some of these guys are two-time transfers. I always say – I don't know how you feel about this, but I just assume everyone's going to get you know a waiver to play these days. I know it's like the new NCAA, but come on. Like I just assume people are going to play. Um, but if you just look at roster-wise – I mean, I think you can even throw an Ole Miss in the argument of being in there with Arkansas and Tennessee in terms of best offseason because of how drastically different their roster is. And it's getting Brakefield back. It's getting Matthew Morrell back. Um, but it's also adding all these different pieces. Brandon Murray, who we've seen in the league before at LSU, you know, I think he's going to be probably one of the better scorers um, when he steps back into the league again just because of what he did at Georgetown. Alan Flanagan, we know what he can be. Um, then of course you've got two guys that are just, you know, gigantic in, in sharp and CSA. And so no surprise that Chris Beard's done that with a roster. You can say what you want about, um, off the court stuff, but if you're just looking at the roster, 
I mean, that's one that's turned over probably as much as anybody in terms of the talent they brought in. So, well, and I think anybody who uh, pays attention at least to you know my writing and and any writing at Rockham Nation knows you know we were really high on the talent level of the Ole Miss roster. Uh, you know, even going into last year, it was just a question. You know, Kermit just had never seemed to kind of put it all together. Like Matthew yeah. Morell, I think you know, I I honestly thought like if he could have been a second round pick like he's he's like got the build that you want for the nba he could shoot the ball uh i mean he's really the kind of guy that i think could excel uh you know under a coach who you know and i don't want to like disparage kermit because i think we all like respect what he did at at, uh at middle tennessee and he was he was really really good there he just never quite put it all together at ole miss injuries Um, hurt too like they they just i feel like they always had injuries there and but I mean, that was just part of the puzzle, right? It wasn't the whole thing, but they just, they had some bad luck with injuries too. So he's saying hi to Georgia here. <laughs> That's Georgia. Hello, um, Georgia. Yeah. And then you can, Hugo's sleeping. Um, oh. <laughs> so we already put to sleep 10 minutes into the conversation. Yeah. Oh, we, oh, it's okay. He sleeps through everything. We just had a thunderstorm <laughs> here a little bit ago and he's just, he is knocked out the whole time. Um, so I want to go back to Arkansas a little bit, um, because I, so I, I would agree with you that I think Arkansas has had a really good uh, off season, mainly because I think must, and what went wrong for Arkansas last year. And I realize you, we can point to the injuries and, and all those kinds of things, but, but I thought what really went wrong for Arkansas last year is, uh, must went a little against what he has been so good at about. Uh, through his time there in Fayetteville. Like he went away from just being crazy athletic, guard the hell out of you and be really simple on offense because he was really focusing on, all right, how are we going to get like my, you know, these, these star freshmen involved and, and ready to go. Uh, and I, and of course, you know, they, they couldn't shoot, um, You know, so they had all the athleticism, but not being able to shoot the ball made winning games difficult. Uh, I see a lot of similarities with this roster. And while I I like that he's sort of embraced uh, what he's good at, we're going to guard the hell out of you. He's got all these dudes who are really long and athletic. Uh, I don't really see a lot of scoring and shooting. Um, You know, and I, I think at this point you could probably trust that Muslim will figure out a way to, to, to win, you know, quite a few games, but it does sort of concern you that like, he just like, he's fully leaning into this, uh, this, you know, we don't need to be able to shoot the ball from outside <laughs> thing. Um, and we'll just make your life hell, uh, in the half court. Um, you know, which uh, like, honestly, like when, when Kanza Martin was the head coach at, at uh, at Mizzou and, and Musselman, he would have these like, just grind out battles. It was some of the worst basketball you could ever watch. Uh, you know, like 47 charge calls in a game. And it just feels like that was every Mizzou, Arkansas game. Uh, so, I mean, do you, is there at any point do you think Muss is going to sort of change his type and, and try to add a little bit of, uh, you know, spacing to his, his floor game? I mean, I, the way I see it is something else this team has is, and we, we've all kind of used it, I guess, as the buzzword over the past. I mean, we probably used it longer than just since March, but everybody talks about just teams that are older and what that can do for you. And 
I think he's leaned on that. I think, like you said, I think he's leaned on maybe not necessarily some of the things that have worked in the past, but I think it's, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like it's just, you can never have too many options. And I don't know that you could look at this roster necessarily right now and tell me what the minute allocation is going to be one through seven. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I mean, I know Dave is probably going to play 35 minutes. Um, you know, I don't know how many minutes Brazil plays, but well, he does, he does sort of like, like, you know, it, it looks like a roster where you should see like nine or 10 guys, but you yeah. know, you know, by the middle of the it SEC season, it, yeah. yeah, there'll be six, seven guys tops. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, <laughs> even as some of these guys that came back, right? Like, I don't know how many minutes Jalen Graham's going to play. Like, cause last year it was, you know, one game was like three, the next game it was 25. Right. And it's just, I think that's just what he likes. I mean, for, for whatever reason, like, I think it's just, there may not be that consistency game in a game. And now last year was a little different, as you said, cause it's, you know, you're kind of waiting on Nick Smith and you feel like you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was maybe a little bit different, but I am, I think to me, they're the most intriguing team for the reasons you just brought up is, Maybe they're not going to have the shooting, uh, but I am fascinated to know who is going to play this many minutes at this position, who's going to be here. But I think they got enough options in terms of talent that if it all does come together, which as we always learn, there will be somebody that maybe doesn't turn out the way they think you're going to be. And I'm not going to take any guesses as to who that's going to be. But, but if it does, like it's hard to look at this team and still not be like, Oh boy, one through 10, they're as talented as anybody and may probably more talented than anybody in the SEC just from a pure talent standpoint. But like you said, I think the shooting and those kind of things, as we saw last year with Missouri, and that's what I keep bringing up with people like in the offseason, they'll ask about certain things and they're like, you know, what can you do in this SEC landscape to kind of separate yourselves when everybody else is going out and getting all these transfers and they're, you know, all this talent and everybody's recruiting well? I said, it's pretty simple. I said, go out and find three guys that can shoot the ball. And, you know, because otherwise most SEC teams are not going to have three guys that can shoot the ball. Um, yeah. And Missouri saw that last year. I mean, as you know, it was one of those things that can really separate you. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's clearly something that you could look at this roster and be like, mm, you know, I don't know how many three point shots they make, but maybe they just continue their thing where we're just going to be so aggressive. It's going to be a foul shooting contest. And unfortunately, as we've seen um, at times with teams like Arkansas and Texas A&M, that method works and they've made it work and turned it into a lot of wins. So maybe that's what we see again. And uh, they did it sort of announce that uh, Keon Menefield, who's the yeah. Washington transfer uh, will be a non-roster red shirt. So yeah. I, I think yeah. I've, I heard a rumor that they're adding like another kind of combo 40 uh, transfer uh, late in the season here. <laughs> they never um, stop. I mean, let's and be so, honest. well, and you know, these days with NIL, like you just, yeah. you know, some donor can come in and be like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay as, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, realistically, like that was part of, you know, Missouri's plan. If Kobe wanted to come back, he was not going to be on yeah. scholarship. They were just going to NIL his, his tuition. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, I think I, I agree with you on Tennessee also, like it's, it's hard when you're as consistently good as Tennessee and you bring back so many guys, um, but we kind of chatted a little bit about LSU. Um, LSU did a good job of of upgrading their, and, you know, and this is also another team that is going to rely on uh, the two time transfer rule, kind of, yeah. you know, getting a waiver. Because I think an important part of what they wanted to do was bring in Jalen Cook, yeah. uh, and you know, like Cook 
uh, transferred from LSU uh, to Tulane was great. Uh, transferred back now uh, to LSU um, and has really kind of developed into one of the best scoring guards uh, in the country. Uh, but they kind of need him. Uh, otherwise, like, I mean, I feel like they did a lot to upgrade the roster, but is this, like, is are these upgrades enough to sort of take them from the seller, you know, past the middle, or does it put them in the middle? Yeah, I, I think what happened was, in comparison to where they were, it was a big upgrade. But if we remember where they were, it was not a good place. And so I think it gets them more towards trying to get towards the middle. I don't think it puts them in the conversation of, I, I don't think I would say they're an NCAA tournament team right now. Like I, I still think they're outside of that range, even with the upgrades they make. But at the same time, I think it's looking at a team that won what two games. Is that right? Three games in the sec. Yeah. So um, did that, I mean, how much did that surprise you? Cause like I, I saw him doing something similar to what Dennis Gates did. Uh, you know, which is bring in guys that were familiar with him and familiar with his system. And I kind of thought that that would, that would work. I mean, they had some talented freshmen. They had some experience. I mean, like they had KJ Williams, who was terrific and they were just, they were bad all year. You know, I know I had a stat and, um, me, I've, I've let my Ken Palm subscription, um, lapse here. I just realized it expired last week so how dare i i apologize to mr ken pomeroy i will update that as soon as this conversation is over but um, uh, a little little I, tip tip for you uh, which is what works for me is mine renews in december so i never mm, miss a renewal <laughs> that's a good idea so yeah for some reason mine's always been in the summer so sometimes i'm like oh i didn't look at it the last couple of days and there it went so um but one of the things that i think i it was again it was some kind of wild stat i had i don't remember what it was but it was just the number of games I don't know, either they lost or they were just like right there. Um, the number of games they scored under, I don't remember the point total. I don't want to throw it out there. I want to say maybe it was 70 or something like that. Um, but it's like, it was just amazing to see how close they, it felt like they were, but they just could not score the ball enough. And I think the consistency there is why they had so many issues because at a certain point, I think teams just realize, okay, there's KJ Williams. He's going to score the ball. Maybe Adam Miller's going to score. Maybe Cam Hayes is going to score. Um, but like, we don't know if we're going to necessarily game plan around that consistently because it's just not there on a consistent basis, maybe. And so to me, that's where like a Jalen Cook coming in, you know, maybe that helps in some of those areas. Now, not having a KJ Williams is completely different <laughs> than having him. So I don't know that this roster, and that's where you're relying on you're banking on a lot of things to go right if you're going to make that big jump. And I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. Um, but again, this is a pretty unforgiving league and they could finish yeah. 13th or 14th in the SEC. Um, even with what I think is a, a nice roster upgrade overall, you don't have a KJ Williams, but overall I think the roster is better. Um, but you're banking on Jordan, Wright. You're banking on the potential of Damian Collins. You're banking on Jalen cook to not drop scoring down from 20 to 10. Cause realistically you probably need him scoring 15 points a game. Um, you know, you're banking on Will Baker coming from a Nevada and being a consistent post player in the sec. Um, you know, you're banking on someone like Carlos Stewart. Um, and, and really Matt McMahon is pretty, he's banking on the local flavor, right? Like how many of these guys are coming in that are from Louisiana and just trying to sort of rally somehow to put that all together get the fan base kind of rallied around these guys. 
and sort of bring that energy back into the program because it was gone last season. Um, so I don't know. Like you said, it's it's certainly – I don't think LSU is an NCAA tournament team right now, but I do think if you look at the best-case scenario, I could see them as like a bubble-type team. Um, but I think there's a lot still to be determined on that because they've got to consistently be much better offensively, um, They which they just could not do last season. So I'm curious to see what he and his staff – have in mind for tweaking some of the things offensively that they just simply could not do last year. Which brings us to. Oh boy. Oh boy. Those who, uh, those who didn't quite get it all done. Um, And so I like, I kind of want to start this off. So I want you uh, to convince me that Auburn's off season wasn't as bad uh, (laughs) as I seem to think it was now. They are adding uh, a top 20 level uh, freshman point guard uh, and Aiden Holloway. Um, They bring in Denver Jones uh, from Florida International, who was sort of a high volume scorer uh, there, um, bringing in a a Division II um, wing and Cheney Johnson. And they're bringing a lot of guys back. I mean, Janai Broom's back, um, uh, Katie Johnson. Back for another trip around the sun. Uh, Cardwell, Chris Moore, uh, our, our man Lior Berman is back. Uh, Trey Donaldson had a nice uh, season last year. He's back. Um, and and, and Jalen Williams, I think, uh, him coming back helps. But this is like, this is not, to me, it doesn't really feel like anywhere close to one of Bruce Pearl's best rosters. This is a lot of like role guys who are they're going to play the way Auburn plays and they're going to win some games but i mean would it shock you if this roster like they came in under 500 in the SEC probably not just because of some of the teams that have improved i i think they'll finish above 500 but like i more, i could more find more like 10 and 8 then <laughs> i was going to say i yeah. could i could probably find like you know several other teams i feel better about right now um that, that maybe have more proven, I don't know what the word is, together than, than maybe this roster. Um, I feel like we're so far removed now from the thought that Bruce Pearl teams just run and shoot and make threes. And like I feel like it's so staggering now just to look at his teams since probably the Final Four team, right, with, with Bryce Brown and Jared Harper and those guys. I, I just don't – I mean, look, I know they're bringing in, like I said, Denver Jones, Chaney Johnson, Aiden Holloway can really shoot it. Um, and so I, I think that to me is the biggest question is I think they significantly need to improve their three point shooting. If they're going to be a team, um, that I feel great about because getting broom back is, is huge. I mean, like I said, I think you could put him in the, the mix probably with the Tolu Smith and I know I'm going to forget somebody. Um, and, and maybe what, probably one of the Tennessee players, probably Vescovy, um, in terms of like sec preseason player of the year type guy. Um, right. Just because the numbers are going to be there. I could see Broom averaging a double-double without question. Um, and so getting him back is one of the biggest wins of the offseason. But I think you're still banking on, even though you're older, you know, you're still banking on Jalen Williams taking his game to another level still. Um, and he's done that, but like I, I like him. I think he's one of the more underrated players. But he still needs to do, you know, he still needs to take another step, I think, for them to get where they want to go. Um, you know, K- Katie Johnson, like I said, he's another guy I feel like he's been playing the SEC for 10 years um you know cardwell same same thing it's like you want to see the evolution and and continued development of all these guys game and if that happens they can put it all together but 
yes, like Denver Jones coming in um, has played in obviously an up tempo type style at Florida International, like Bruce Pearl wants to play, which they, you know that's what Jeremy Ballard does at FIU, and um, you know. But the other guys, yeah, I think it's a wait and see approach probably to see exactly how they fit in, and you know it does feel like a team that guard play is going to define everything, right? We always say that. Like it's, I look at the the depth that they have in terms of their posts. Like, yeah, they got a lot. I mean, when you start with broom, it's a good place to start, but like you've got a lot of good forwards, you've got good post player, you know, center type guys. It's just, you want to see how the guard stuff comes together. And I know some people say, well, man, it's a significant upgrade over Wendell green. I'm like, Oh man, I, I thought Wendell green was, I mean, Wendell Green was never great, but he was also, I think, yeah. better than people maybe gave him credit for. To me, I thought like that their issue was the fact that Katie Johnson just has never been able to shoot the ball. Yeah, uh, he's he's prone to making a lot of bonehead plays, turns the ball over too much, uh, and he's not a good enough dribbler to really be like a point guard. So you're using him off the ball, and he's only like what six one. So. Yeah. You know, like I just think like that changes the dynamic of like how you're going to play when you're when your two guard is, you know, really ineffective from outside. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, of course, I say that and the, he absolutely caught fire and can like four threes or something <laughs> against Missouri. And, yeah. you know, when they blew Mizzou out, um, you know, but I think like that's one of those things that I, I've always sort of feel is like held them back a little bit at times. Because I don't you know, I, I think Wendell Green, of course, maybe has a, a little too quick of a. <laughs> Trigger finger. Uh, he likes to shoot the ball, um, you know. But he also. But he shoots. also got them out of jams by being yeah, able to like, do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy at late in clock is going to be able to get a shot off, and you know, like uh, sometimes getting a shot when you have athleticism on on the wing and, and at the post, guys that can get you know rebounds stuff like that's uh, that's a lot um, as opposed to KD, who I think would more likely to dribble off his foot. Um, so who, in your opinion, moving on from Auburn, like, uh, has, has just kind of missed the mark this off season. Well, we talked about it. We said probably this conversation would be a bit different if we were talking about Kentucky a month ago versus now. Um, I still think, yes, it's a team that lacks experience. And I think it's a dangerous game to play in this era to not have experience and and but but they have two guys who are experienced that i think can can do a lot of good things and reeves and mitchell and mitchell was re getting reeves back was was great don't get me wrong and but but mitchell i thought was a big key just because of the position he plays and getting him um you know added to the mix and so i mean again i probably would have went more with kentucky a month ago like everyone else was doing i mean that was a popular thing to do was dog on kentucky but you know you can yes take what they did at global jam and you can see a lot of good things but you know, there are injury questions, right, already in terms of, um, you know, having a couple big guys that have been injured and, and you always kind of have that question. But so I won't maybe go the Kentucky route just yet, although I still think they probably need to be a little bit older um, than they are right now. But they're still as talented maybe as anybody just with the guys that they're bringing in. You and I had a conversation before we started about Vanderbilt, and it's not that I think Vanderbilt had a – I wouldn't say they had the worst offseason. I think it's just – I think it's for me, like I find them to be one of the more teams that are harder. That's harder to figure out. Like, I think maybe that's the better way to put it. So it probably doesn't fit this question necessarily, but, um, <laughs> but I'm just like, always, always so, being, being nice as always. Like just, I'm just, I'm just going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> because look, I really look around and I'm, and I can, I'm thinking about this. So I'm like, can we say South Carolina had a bad off season? 
relative to where they were, right? Like it's like, I don't know. Like they they added a couple guys. I mean, you know, Miles Duty, I think, can shoot the ball. That helps. Um, Talon Cooper played a lot of minutes. What Minnesota? Like it'll be a good addition. Like so, I don't think South Carolina had a terrible off season. Do I still? Would I still B- pick them fourteenth right now? Yeah, yeah. BJ Mack. This is a good. Nice yes, player. I'd probably still pick them fourteenth. But like, I don't think they had a bad <laughs> off season. And so, but really, like that's the good thing for SEC teams. I look around and like I don't see a lot. So like, I think I more go to the teams that I do have some questions about. And I'm going to bring up one after this that I think may surprise you a little bit. But Vanderbilt, like I said, I think it's losing Liam Robbins to me was just huge. And it's, we all talked about, like, he was one, I mean, I think you could do, like, the advanced stats and everything. The most valuable player in the SEC last year when he was on the floor, just in terms of the things you could track and see how valuable he was to his team. And I think you take him out of the equation now. And, yes, I know they won some games down the stretch without him. I understand that. But this is a different team. And as you and I were talking about, it's a team where you're relying on some transfers, guys who are transferring up in a couple different situations, but you're also average, you know, adding in someone like, you know, Ben Allen, Allen Lubin from Notre Dame, a Jordan Williams from Texas A&M, which is not necessarily transferring up, but, you know, didn't really play much. So it's, you you have those questions and you bring back two of the most improved guards, probably not just in the SEC, but in the country in terms of Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Manion. So add, that's a good starting point is having those two. But I think I just want to see what develops around them because what we saw develop around them last year was Jordan Wright and Liam Robbins. And those two guys were proven older guys with experience in the SEC that could put it all together and kind of push them forward in moments where they needed big plays in certain, you know, different areas, right? Robbins playing in the front court, Jordan Wright being able to do some things off the dribble, make some shots, make some plays on defense. Um, they don't have that this year around Lawrence and, and Manion. They've got breakout players. You know, maybe that's a, a Lee Dort. Maybe that's a Colin Smith. Um, maybe it's one of the new guys they brought in. Their freshman class, you know, mostly, I guess all made up of guys who are ranked 150th or lower. But I think, and, and I know you're probably going to say this, and we've we've always kind of talked about this, in terms of where Jerry Stackhouse ranks among SEC coaches, I've always said I think Jerry Stackhouse's biggest strength is – player development and it's just keeping players there which sometimes they've had a hard time doing which i think nil plays a role in that um but if they can just develop the guys that are there i think you could see vanderbilt doing the same things towards the end of the season that they were perhaps doing last season maybe hard to pull off that kind of run um but i just think from a starting point without robbins and Wright, i have questions and because i don't have a lot of great answers in terms of teams that have had bad off seasons I will just say maybe they're one that they lose some significant pieces of the puzzle, but they did have a good offseason in that they got Tyron Lawrence back when I think there was a time or maybe the conversation we just had before Vanderbilt and Auburn would have been a lot different if they'd have added a guy like Tyron Lawrence um, versus him deciding to return to Vanderbilt. So, yeah. yeah. So I said a lot of positive things about a team you asked for me to put into the worst offseason category, but I don't, you know, I don't know. But how, let me ask you this about Alabama. I don't think they had the worst offseason, but I do think this is such a different team that I, I I have a hard time with Alabama too. I know they got a lot of talent, but to me, the the one of the most key subtractions of the offseason, I thought, outside the obvious, right? Outside the obvious of losing a Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney, Charles Bediaco deciding to stay in the draft, I thought was a huge hit for Alabama yeah. because 
if I if you added Charles Bediaco to this roster, I would probably say sign me up. They've got that, you know, they've got everything you need, maybe outside of having a Brandon Miller to maybe not be exactly what they were last year, but maybe they can get close. And you're banking on again an Aaron Estrada coming in, being very effective, Latrell Wrightsell coming in, being very effective at guard positions, well, along with, with Mark Sears. But you know, you also did lose a Javon Quinterly too. And I think Alabama fans weren't thrilled at times with Javon Quinterly. But what I do know is that he was also a big piece of the puzzle in terms of their guard play. And he had been in that system. Was there inconsistent play? Sure, like with everybody at times. But I still think no Bediaco having a Quinterly paired with the Sears, I would look at this roster probably a little bit differently in terms of where I would project Alabama to be right now. So I don't think they had a terrible offseason by any means, but man, Bediaco one is one that I think that mm, that was a that was a significant one because now I think you're banking on not as much proven talent there, even though you do get a Nick Pringle back. Um, you know, you've got a Grant Nelson coming in and they got Jaron Stevenson, but I don't know, Betty Ako to me was just kind of that that guy that you could rely on defensively. And and that's my thing with Alabama is I don't think they're gonna be I don't want to say anywhere near as good defensively, but man, they were one of the best defensive teams in the country last year. And when you subtract the guys that aren't there, that would be my worry with this particular team right now. Yeah. I think when you look at Alabama, for me, it's always been about, you know, how are they going to defend? Uh, yeah. And when they defend, when Nate Oates has been there, they're elite. When they're, when they haven't, they're average. Like there's yeah. no in between. Um and I, you know, I think a large part of that is is because the offensive system that he runs, um, when when they're good on defense, it it keeps them in games that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be because like you, they're eventually going to hit some threes, uh, you know. But when they're bad on defense, and the other team is able to score when they're going through cold spells, it puts them into bigger holes than maybe they would uh, be otherwise. So, I, you know, I don't. I, I don't disagree with your your uh, assessment there. I, you know, I, I know that there was like a lot of talk about Estrada and Reitzel. I just, you know, I don't think that those guys are stepping in right away and being all SEC level guards. Um, Nelson has always kind of been the potential guy there, but um, he's also been inconsistent in shooting the basketball from outside, and uh, and he's struggled against high high major competition. So. Um, you know, I like, and they don't, they don't have an elite freshman coming in. I know Stevenson was a guy who's recruited by uh, or former five-star. He dropped to a four-star when he reclassified, um, you know, but a guy who, you know, a lot of scouts were basically saying, actually, he, you should probably think about uh, <laughs> another year of high school and getting stronger and things like that. So, you know, it's, I think Alabama will be pretty good but it's definitely going to be a step back um, yeah. from uh, from where, you know, they, I think maybe they're accustomed to or where probably a lot of fans are thinking they're going to be, um, yeah. you know. But, you know, I think Nate's, Nate Oates has kind of proven that even after, like, if they have a bumpy season, he'll, he'll get them right back and, uh, and, and they'll be probably as good, if not better, next year. I mean, when you're looking at, what, five dudes who rank between – you know, 40 and 150. If all those guys come back as sophomores, that's, that's, uh, that's a good haul. Um, so, uh, last bit, since we have not talked about Missouri and I know Dennis Gates is one of your favorite topics. Um, 
Let's talk about Missouri's offseason. Uh, very clearly, I think they exceeded expectations last year. I don't, I don't think uh, maybe your expectations were that they would be a top four seed in the SEC, but I don't think many they prognosticators. They, look, uh, yeah, I thought they'd be better, but they, <laughs> that was not my – okay, I, I tried to say that many times, guys. Yes, I was on Dennis Gaze, but if you think that I thought that, you know, they were going to be a, a top four team in the SEC, that's just not, that's not true. So Yeah. Uh, so I thought one of the things that I I've noticed about like their, uh, you know, the, the, the transfers this year are all like, you know, maybe save for Hayes's Carlero who's coming in from Campbell. Um, we're all at worst mid major plus transfers, uh, you know, coming from other programs and then, uh, you know, a few high major uh, guys. And I think Oral Roberts, even though they're kind of, you know, a tr- more of a true mid-major, uh, Vanover is kind of maybe in the middle because he transferred before that from uh, a high major. So uh, so we'll, we'll give him the mid-major plus. Um, so upgrading at least where they're getting their transfers from, uh, do you think Dennis Gates did enough this offseason to – um to kind of put them back in like that sort of like top five six uh in the league and and you know be a solid ncaa program ncaa tournament program i mean here's what's hard for me because i think last season as you said was just such one of those seasons where don't get me wrong. Things, things went wrong at times, but there were so many things that went right too. And sometimes that's what it comes down to is you just need a lot of stuff that balances the right way. And I think it was, you know, forcing turnovers the way they forced turnovers last year to get easier baskets, making threes in a league that can't make threes. Um, you know, things like that. Like they were a good offensive team in a league where quite frankly, very up and down offensively. Um, and you know, they were certainly, I think better defensively, even though, um, you know, there are obvious, obvious issues rebounding wise and, and transition defense and those kind of things, but the forcing of the forcing turnovers helped out in that area. I think what I have an issue with at least right now, and I don't think this is, it's trying to figure out exactly how to compare this roster to last year's roster beyond just saying there's no Kobe Brown and there's no Des Moines Hodge. And so what happens now with two guys that were such an important part of their success last season, how do you fill the void? And I, I think that's where, to me, I ha- look, it's an older team. And I think that's, we talked about it. Like for me, that's why it was so important for, you know, Kentucky. I felt like to add a little bit more, even though you're comparing different rosters, but I think the fact that they stayed old here, and they also were able to, like you said, not just go the route of bringing in nothing but, let's say, mid-major or low-major guys and trying to bank on potential. They did bring up some guys that felt like they fit what Dennis Gates likes to do. And, and as we know, that's always important. Um, so, you know, a John Tanjay, I think someone like that, I felt like from the moment, you know, hey, he's going to Missouri, I said, that's that to me seems like a Dennis Gates-type guy. Like, I feel like he fits in with how they want to play, um, you know, it's looking beyond some of those other guys. Like you've talked about, like Connor Vanover. Yes, he brings things that they did not have on the roster without him. Like he obviously brings the size and, and the different things that he has there. Um, has been in Arkansas. It's a little different now, but like you mentioned, Oral Roberts is not just 
a program that's just been kind of flailing in the wind over the past several years. They, they obviously have made a lot of noise and, um, you know, last season did some good things. And so I'm most curious to see how, and the, the two players for me in particular, and, and I know you guys have talked about this, but I feel like the season, I don't want to say is going to be defined. I feel like that's big, going overreacting a bit, but I think the season, what they get, from Caleb Grill and Tamar Bates, I think to me it's just it's very intriguing because I see these two guys and I see what they can be. Like I think in this system, the way Dennis Gates wants to play, um, and I just say, I mean, like I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but like I'm just, I'm fascinated. Like I really am to see what these guys' roles are on this team, ultimately what they're able to do, and I, I think it also goes along with the fact that Shawnee's development. Um, Noah Carter, you know, obviously we saw really do some, a lot of good things, especially down the stretch last season, you know, what you're getting in Nick honor. Um, and, and even Aiden Shaw, I think you have to throw him into that mix too, in terms of the development. So do I think they did enough going back to the question to where I ultimately feel like they're going to be, you know, a top four seed in the sec again, it's hard to say for me because I just think it's even as high as I am on Dennis Gates. I, I also know that you know, Kobe Brown and Moy Hodge were fantastic. And I think what they brought to the table, you can have a group of guys on this team pick up the production. But, you know, I don't know that I see two guys on this team that are the same type players that can sort of do the things that they did, which were such a huge part of what they did. So, um, and their success. And so I think that's, that to me, still the question is to see what this, and I know you, again, you guys have talked about this, but I'm most curious to, if you're doing like, if you're doing like a one through seven and so let's say, all right, these are the seven guys that are going to play the minutes and here's how the minutes look on this team. I'm very curious to see what that looks like, because I think there are some obvious ones in terms of what Noah Carter would be, what Nick honor would be, um, you know, Tanjay probably keep going down the list, but I'm just curious what, you know, I guess the ultimate rotation is going to look like here. And once maybe you have an idea of what that's going to be, maybe I have a better answer. But for now, I think there's so many sec teams that have gotten a lot better that can I say with confidence that I think Missouri is going to finish in the top five? Probably not, just because I think there are so many other teams out there that have gotten a lot better. And even if Missouri gets better, you know, it, it's still a wait and see game for me to try to figure out exactly where to put this team. So, well, so uh, to answer your question on like the top seven, at least the fans, Blake, because I, I ask this uh, every year kind of on Twitter, uh, and the fans, have a pretty definitive answer on who they think is going to be in the top eight. We actually, uh, I had 37 different people respond with, with answers. Uh, and there were eight dudes who got 30 or more votes. Um, you know, basically meaning that they're on 30 of the, you know, 37. So Nick honor got all Noah Carter, uh, John Tanji, Caleb grill got 36, Aiden Shaw got 33, Tamar Bates, 32 and Sean Easton, Connor Vanover each got 30. Um, so that's what the fans expect, uh, at least, um, you know, which if you look at kind of like the, the rest of the roster, it's Kurt Lewis, Trent Pierce, Hayes Carlaro, uh, Caleb Brown, Anthony Robinson, Jordan Butler, um, three freshmen. Although I think Trent Pierce, uh, could find his way into some of those minutes. Um, you know, Juco transfer, a guy that, you know, the one guy that they got from a low major, uh, and, and Carlaro, um, and yeah, so it seems to be like all the guys they brought back, all the high major transfers, um, you know, and, and however you want to sort of slot Van over. 
because Lord knows they need some interior presence. <laughs> yes, that's the big thing, right? And and that's the thing. Like I think what I do too here is, and I look, I mean, part of it is, you know, coming into this, I told you how big of a Des Moines Hodge fan I was, and I think mm-hmm. to see him be the player that he became, I'm like, okay, well now he's not there, and so Kobe Brown, you know, we were but we were so high on Kobe Brown, and so I think it is part of that where I'm sort of like, okay man, you have so many things go right in a season like that. And so you take two guys like that out of the equation. I'm not taking it like, I know other guys aren't there too, but um, still, I think that was, they were just such a big piece of the puzzle that I think it's fair to look at this team and say, all right, it's, I don't think it's not Alabama. Don't get me wrong. Like we're not comparing the same situation, but it's a different team, right? Even with some of the guys you have coming back, it's structured a little bit differently because you're, you're subtracting two guys that were such a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, and so now, yes, like I am, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. And I think I will go back to the first thing I said when Dennis Gates was hired last year is I think I give him the benefit of the doubt that even if there are some people who will look at this roster and I, and I've seen some early projections out there in terms of, you know, picks and predictions on it, we may have did ours. Um, I kind of had Missouri in that tier of. Yeah, I think uh, there's another writer on your site that uh, wasn't super high on the Tigers, and uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I got I got some uh, I got some mentions around that one. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I it, it wasn't look, Blake. It wasn't Blake. It wasn't me. me. <laughs> I I said my thoughts on Missouri where I would put them in the kind of that tier of teams that I don't really know what to do with them right now. Like I don't know where ultimately I will settle on putting Missouri because I think. Well, first of all, the reason why I said that, and we did this, I think, a month ago, I said, well, <laughs> rosters are still not finalized around the SEC, so I got to figure out, you know, who else is still moving, and there's been plenty of roster movement since then. Um, and I think you always just kind of have to look at it in the perspective of the other teams, right? It's not just your team. And I think with Missouri, I will wind up putting them high just because of my Dennis Gates love. We all know it's going to happen. Um, and, and you know I like downplaying it as well. I try to make sure, you know, I want to be on the cutting edge of, <laughs> well, everybody downplayed Dennis Gates and look what he did again. So, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm a huge fan of of Nick Honor, Noah Carter, um, like I said, Tanjay, and I think the the combination of guys that they brought in, like you said, Vanover fills an obvious need. And sometimes that's all you can do is, did you feel obvious needs on your roster? I think they feel obvious needs. And if everything comes together, I think for a second straight year, you're probably looking at a situation where Missouri will be picked lower. People will say, you know, you're not getting the respect after what you did last season. The reason that's going to happen is because there are other teams that have maybe added flashier, you know, pickups and all this other stuff. But it's all about need and it's all about kind of putting the roster in place you need in place. And to me, I I, I do think Dennis Gates did a as good a job as you probably could have done in the situation, like you said, knowing that Kobe Brown was not going to be back. Um, that was going to put some challenges in front of you. And so, yeah, I, I still thought well, they, they did a really good job. So. And not only that, but not being completely sure if he was going right, to yeah, come back well, for that, a yeah. while. You know, I think, I think the you know, really they thought, you know, Kobe, the possibility of Kobe coming back was pretty high there for a while Yeah. until like, you know, he just started creeping up draft boards. And I think once, once everybody was pretty much saying like, oh, he's he's like a top forty guy, I think they probably figured out that that he he was yeah. gone. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that's all I've got for you. Uh, I think we were shooting for thirty minutes. We went we went almost <laughs> it 50, which yeah, I mean, which 
I think when you oh, when you get the two of us together, it's just like, oh no 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 no, I want to talk about this this point. Let's talk about this. Go in detail. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we'll do this again maybe as we get close to the season. We do have finalized rosters and and the yeah. online rosters have all been updated, uh, and we can maybe do some some you know more projections. I always like to kind of send out the the game by game pick them. We are always. Yeah. Uh, that's I, where you'll really figure out where I'm going to have Missouri. Cause last year, yeah. I, look, I didn't have them in the top four, but I did have them high on our game by game picks last year. So that's where you'll get my full opinion of where I think this Missouri team's going to be at, which again, a little bias involved. It would probably wind up being higher than I think it's going to be right now. So, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Blake, is there uh, anything that you want to plug before I let you go? Well, like you said, I won't plug the rankings we did about a month ago because uh, Missouri <laughs> fans won't want to see those, perhaps. But uh, again, I wasn't harsh on them at all. Um, Max may have been, but that's okay. Um, everyone has a right to their opinion with that. But no, I mean, Southeastern 14, like you said, you can go over there, check out all the stuff we're doing on YouTube. Um, obviously, we're deep into football preview season, so we've done quite a few things on Missouri, so you can check it all out over there and uh sam and i always laugh when we're like oh we can't do this basketball podcast because blake's got to do this football thing and like oh come on let's just let's just do basketball right so um you can find it all there we'll obviously have a lot more we're doing our our rankings of our positions in sec basketball so we did our point guard rankings um don't worry i had nick honor on my list even though some people don't want to um (laughs) he's got to be on there uh in terms of your point guard so we're doing all those so you can find everything there and everything else you can follow me on X, <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess is that what I'm supposed to say. Uh, I'm I'm never really on there anymore, and that's probably a, a good thing. But you can still try to follow me over there. I guess if you follow, I don't know if that's the right phrase to use anymore. But and what's um, the new Instagram one? Is it Threads? Yeah, is it the Threads? I guess I don't know. I think Man, it's, it's Threads. And then a, uh, yeah. I I did get a Blue Sky invite. Blue Sky's uh, it's a lot of like it's a lot of like writers now so like reporters and stuff not a lot of uh i think all the like the 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 sports talk is still on on uh the 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 (laughs) artist formerly known as twitter (laughs) yeah there you go you can follow me on there and i i don't know i said i'm i'm hardly on there anymore and uh, it's probably a a good thing so come to youtube is the come better to YouTube. way to you can you can go comment and leave, leave, leave nice, videos. Yes, Le- leave so. nice comments on his videos uh yeah. i'm sure like you read them all uh i think you and i you and i get along because we are both uh we're both basketball people stuck in sec world which is very football heavy so we're, we're yeah. reluctant football commenters um but but mainly basketball folks uh blake it's always a pleasure having you on uh thank you for your time uh, give him a follow, uh, the Blake Level on X.com, and uh, we'll we'll have Blake on again soon. Thanks, Blake. You got it, my friend. Thanks. Thank you again to the Blake Level uh, for joining me in this podcast. Uh, we'll get Blake back on the pod and and do some uh, SEC previewing once we actually get a schedule and we can start kind of tiering teams and we have a better understanding of where everybody might uh, be. Uh, going in a year but uh, he has some really fun stuff to say always appreciate blake's time uh and so i will be back with more dive cuts um here next week maybe we'll see uh thanks everybody for tuning in oh and subscribe thanks bye thank you everyone for tuning into rock m radio a proud partner of fans for a sports network 
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about it is a great great network full of really fantastic podcasts so look them up and subscribe uh to any and all of those podcasts uh rock and radio will be back with more episodes coming soon thanks